Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn how to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out and find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three, a songwriter, life coach, and wellness advocate, Liz Langston. Hey, everybody. Liz here. Oh my gosh, I have quite the story for you. So what I didn't know is that my kids like to come upstairs and play with my microphone here in my office. And I found out the really hard way because I just recorded an entire episode and then I sat down to edit it this afternoon and lo and behold, they had messed with the microphone settings and it was super grainy and terrible sounding and I couldn't even use it. So lesson learned, the microphone's going to go up in the closet when I'm not using it. And hopefully that never happens again. (laughs) But that's the beauty of juggling mom life with any sort of side gig. So there we go. All right. I am actually kind of grateful in hindsight because I felt like there were a couple spots where I could have done a little bit better job explaining. So I'm so glad I get another chance to teach this amazing principle that I'm going to teach you today. It's called story versus fact. Uh, Story versus fact is particularly good for postpartum moms who feel like you are stuck and stagnant, maybe like you're having a hard time moving forward. And by the way, if you have a child who's maybe three years old and under, I personally feel like you are in the postpartum mom category. (laughs) And so don't think that just because you haven't had a baby this year means that this doesn't apply to you or something. And honestly, so many of these tools that I teach do not only apply to postpartum moms, but that is who I try to speak to because that's who I really want to help the most. Okay. Um, this, but story for this fact is also going to be good. If you're feeling like confused about why you can't get out of the rut you're in, or maybe something continues to bother you. And if you feel alone at all, this is going to be a good kind of check into your brain. So settle down maybe, or do some dishes. If you're doing dishes and listen up, we're going to Get ready to take this tool and start healing and move forwards and upwards out of whatever you might be going through right now. To start off teaching you about story versus fact, we're going to go to an analogy. Um, and I like to take it to the court of law to kind of help understand the context and the helpfulness of this principle. So in a court of law, you have a judge, right? You have the defending attorney, you have the prosecu- prosecuting attorney, and then you have for lack of going into detail, I'm just going to say you have the person that is charged with something and the person pressing charges. Okay. Also involved in the whole court hearing is the sweet, innocent witnesses who tell it like they saw it, hopefully, right? I mean, they could be lying or swaying the truth, but usually, hopefully the witnesses are just, they were bystanders. They're just kind of saying it how it is. And the judge, as we know, is trying to find the facts so that he can move the case forward with a decision, right? Um, But the whole reason for the trial is that there are facts and there are stories. So there's facts and there's things that are not facts that actually didn't happen. And there's a ton of effort and time put in by the judge and the jury to try to sort out the two, fact and story. And this is a worthy cause, right? I mean, not knowing the facts could potentially cause a lot of pain for the family of the victims 
or could release the perpetrator of his crimes and not have him have to deal with the consequences and potentially put society at risk. So that's the analogy. And similarly, our brains in a very innocent way, like the, maybe the innocent witnesses sometimes tell us stories. And so to us, it feels like the witness's story, like, well, this is just what I saw. I'm a bystander. You know, I don't, I don't mean to do any harm. I'm not trying to lie to anybody. And yet there's the sheer fact, like it was at 2 PM on a Sunday and this person said this. And then there's sometimes things get that can get made up or lost one or the other in the interpretation. And that can happen to a witness who has the best of intentions to try to help sort out facts from story, just like our brain sometimes with no necessarily bad intent, our brains can sometimes have us look at a certain thing that happened in our life, a circumstance. And sometimes our brains want to fill in the unknown things. And we actually end up believing certain things are facts when they're actually more like a story. So another way I like to define a story is just a collection of thoughts or even one thought, but usually a story is a collection of thoughts. I'm going to share an example here in a minute um, to really flesh this out so that you can then, and I'm also going to tell you how to apply it to your life. Um, But first I just wanted to get really clear on what the goal is. The goal is to understand fact versus story. Now let's talk about some of our favorite books might be completely based in story, zero facts right? And we love those books. They're fun to read. They take us somewhere else and they allow us to feel certain emotions and stuff. And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong at all with reading a fictional book, but we do it for the experience. We don't do it. We don't read a fictional book and try and believe everything that's said. We know it's fiction and it's for our enjoyment. However, sometimes there's fiction sort of woven into the stories that we tell ourselves about our life and our circumstances. And it takes either a coach or somebody who doesn't agree. A lot of times for me, that's my spouse to say, I don't think that's true. You know, for example, if I say my mother-in-law did this, or my sister said this, and it was so rude and, you know, My husband might say, well, I know she said that. Yeah, I heard that, but I don't think it's rude, right? So there's facts and then there's story. And the reason sometimes our facts kind of get muddled up in stories is often because we take our stories to a friend and it's like a little bit of fact mixed in with a story and our friend agrees with us. We're like, my sister said this and it was so rude. Don't you think? And our friend's like, oh my gosh, yes. How could she say that? What was she thinking? So now we're one step more solidified in thinking that our story is fact. And we want to go tell the world, no, that was just rude. Like it's not up for debate. She was rude. It was downright not okay, not kind. Um, When in reality, right? And we go on in this cycle and we perpetuate our stories 
to the point where they're so deep in us and we believe them so much, no matter how much pain they cause us, we're not willing to give up the story. We're not willing to step away. You know, maybe our husband says, I don't, do you really think she was trying to be rude? We're like, what? Are you kidding me? You're not on my side, right? We're not willing to step back and even question our story at all. We're so attached to it. It's like a fuzzy, warm blanket. We just want to keep holding on to it. And it's so interesting. I want you to learn something about your brain here. It's not that you want to be in pain, right? We don't purposely, every time we tell ourselves that for going with this example, what my sister said was rude. If that's the example that I, you know, I, she said words and I thought those words were rude. And my story is that she was being rude on purpose, right? I don't, every time I retell that story, I don't say, I want to feel like my sister was rude. I want to feel sad or angry right now about my sister's rudeness, right? We don't, we don't think that to ourselves. And yet really it's more staying in this, this rut of this story. That's having all this power over us with these negative feelings. And we believe it's like real, but it's just a story. It's a function of our brain, not wanting two things. A, our brains take the path of least resistance, whatever's easiest. Our brain wants to do that. And continuing to believe the same thing is easier than when our husband or somebody close to us questions our story or our opinion or whatever. It's way easier to believe the same thing than to change the way we think about any given circumstance. It also feels very threatening. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody questions your story. For the sake of this example, maybe your husband says, you know, I don't know. I think you're being a little overdramatic here. I don't think she was trying to be rude. You're like threatened by that. You're like, Oh, how could he? And now you're like wanting to look at your husband as if he had some bad intentions. You're, have you noticed how threatened you feel, how defensive you might get? Right. And it's, it's not because husband's trying to attack us. I mean, I guess there's a chance he could be trying to literally like emotionally attack you, but Odds are he's just kind of questioning what you've been telling yourself about this particular circumstance, your story, if you will. Um, but it feels so threatening. And so that's not because you're a bad person or you don't have good character. You don't love your husband or your husband's bad. It's because our brains want to a stick with the past of path of least resistance, have, have to spend the least amount of energy changing beliefs and stuff. And B it feels threatening to our existence and our survival to have to change the way we think about something and to admit that maybe our brain has it wrong. Okay. The brain doesn't like that. And so part of your brain's effort to protect you and to protect itself and to have you thrive and survive is to, your brain would rather say husband's being mean and husband is stupid right now, taking her side. than your brain would have to sit back and look and say, am I wrong about this? Could I be wrong about this? Now in the world and in the lifestyle that somebody lives when they have a regular coach or even just somebody who's very committed to self-development, but I would argue that most of us, even if we're committed to self-development, don't flex this muscle. And that is the muscle of being okay with being wrong. It goes against our brain's built-in survival mechanisms. It feels so uncomfortable and it, it, it can get to the point where it feels comfortable people do it all the time. This is why I love going to any coach trainings with my school and being around other coaches. I've never been around people who are so unthreatened by being wrong about anything. 
Um, but most people, and I know me in my past life as a mom and a wife before finding coaching, you can ask my husband, I was the worst. <laughs> I was the worst at being wrong about stuff. It was like, I mean, you could call it pride. Um, and I think that pride has so much more pride has so much more leverage over us when we aren't aware of our brain's built in follies and built in mechanisms. And if we can just be aware of those, we can have more leverage over them to, to get them out of our way to become the type of people we want to be. Okay. So that's the good news. That's the good news is that we can overcome our brain's built in kinks and quirks, right? Our brains are amazing. Don't get me wrong. But in order to thrive and become and take massive action in our lives, sometimes we do need to do the work of getting our brain out of our way. And so today, story versus fact is just that. It's one way to do that. It's a, it's a way to step back and analyze, right? And be willing to possibly be wrong about something in order to, and this is important you hear this, it's not that we're just doing this to make sure we're not being wrong. It's even better than that. It's so much richer than that. Because if we're willing to maybe be wrong about something, that means that we are in a position of power to change the stories we tell ourselves and potentially feel less pain. Mamas, isn't this what we want? Isn't this what we need? Right? We want to love our husbands more, but if we would just stop doing this one thing or stop saying that or stop this or that, right? Well, this, the story versus fact thing is going to let you zoom out and, and look at what maybe your brain and your story could be contributing to the pain that you're feeling from this circumstance and take a little bit of responsibility off of what in your mind is your husband's plate, put it back onto your own plate. What have you been or not been doing that could be, could be contributing, even if it's just as simple as the way you've been interpreting his actions and thinking about them in your mind? which is all about the story versus fact. So here's how I'm going to demonstrate this principle. I'm going to tell you the state, the same story twice. And, um, it's my story. It's a story about how I, well, I'll keep it a surprise. You'll start to listen to the story. <laughs> and then, um, we're going to go back and compare the two stories and talk about the, the very real way that story or the things, the, the, the collection of thoughts in a given, I guess, verbal paragraph are not facts, right? How they make or break, which facts even surface and which ones are emphasized and why that's important to be aware of and how it affects us in our lives every day. This will and can change your life. So pay attention with me. I promise it'll help you. Okay. So here is story number one. In January, 2016, I had a new baby and a toddler. My husband was in his last semester of getting his mechanical engineering degree at ASU and was completely not present in our household. I mean, he was there when he could be, but he was gone from 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. or later each night. Jensen, my toddler at the time, well, my toddler, um, he got bronchiolitis and had to be on breathing treatments a ton of times each day. It was the worst. And Rosalind, of course, got it too. She was my little baby at the time. And we tried so hard to keep her from getting sick and getting what he had, but of course she did. And it turned into pneumonia for her. Breathing treatments for her were required as well. So multiple times a day, two different babies, lots of breathing treatments. It was awful and so tricky to do with little kids. She was so little and hearing the crackly sounds in her breathing. Ugh, it was so scary. 
Then Jensen got a double ear infection and was dizzy sometimes. He ended up having a febrile seizure while in my arms. That was awesome. It was terrifying. So scary. I frantically called 911 and and while they sent the ambulance to me, I was shaking and trying to help Jensen stay conscious. This all went on for some weeks. Um, not the febrile seizure, but just the sickness. So we were just getting different things and we were we were all so sick. Um, and then I got food poisoning and I had the runs of vomiting while trying to still nurse and have enough milk for my daughter. Well, weeks turned into months. I mean, this was January through March, three months. Um, and just with caring with all these babies, I developed depression. I was in postpartum depression. My baby was still just four months old at this point. Not even, we couldn't hire sitters because all my kids were so sick. I had no choice. Like I couldn't get a sitter sick. My mom was on a mission across the country from my church and I was sharing a yard with um, some family, long story short, like I was living in my parents' guest house and then my, another family was living in their main house. And I tell you that detail because I didn't want to go in the backyard a lot because we shared the backyard and my kids were so sick. And the mom of this other family was pregnant and expecting a baby. I didn't want to get anybody sick in their family, despite probably my own needs to like get out and get some fresh air and sunshine. I just kind of took one for the team and stayed home a lot. And, um, I just was dealing with my postpartum depression and anxiety. So yeah, it was bad. And definitely my depression was a product of those circumstances, just the sick kids and everything, um, which I really couldn't do much about. I mean, eventually I just had to get on medication just just to be able to function. Okay, that's story number one. Story number two. In January 2016, I had two kids, um, a 20-month-old and a four-week-old. So brand new baby. Uh, I was mostly the one at home with the kids. At the time, I was supporting my husband while he was finishing his last semester of mechanical engineering at ASU. As most doctors would agree, January through March are typically the sick season. And our family got sick a lot those three months, those first three months of, of 2016. First, my son Jensen caught a cold, just a viral cold. And then that developed into bronchiolitis. Um, he wheezed. Uh, occasionally and got, it got to where he was wheezing a lot of the time. And so as I took him to the doctor, we decided he needed albuterol a few times each day. Um, and that was helpful. Um, my four week old Roslyn, unfortunately caught what he had and for her, she's so little, it developed into pneumonia. And so she needed to do albuterol about three times a day as well. So we would do albuterol parties on the couch and just watch shows and do our breathing treatments. Sometime during the end of bronchiolitis for Jensen, uh, he developed a bacterial ear infection. He got it in two of his ears and was kind of, I remember he was dizzy sometimes, but uh, gratefully the doctor was just down the, the street and Walmart to get our prescriptions was around the corner. So we were able to get him to the doctor and get on antibiotics and um, it started to get better. During that time he did, um, have, he seized, he had a febrile seizure. Um, and for me, I, uh, I felt scared for sure. But once we got to the hospital, the workers there explained to us how common and harmless to the brain of a child that's four or under febrile seizures are. And that was so nice to hear. So during these months, I mean, I, I did my best to care for the kids. Um, I did not have the self-awareness at that time and the experience that I have now to understand the importance of 
at all costs, making sure mom has some time away from the kids to just recuperate emotionally and mentally and, and um, be able to kind of heal a little bit as we were going through all this. And so I really didn't do stuff like that. I, I didn't ask friends to come to the house, not even when Jensen was napping and I could have gone with my daughter, my little baby. I was so worried about putting anyone else out. I didn't take my kids outside at all because we were sharing a yard with another family at the time. I didn't want to get them sick. I definitely was doing my best, but I eventually developed postpartum depression and my symptoms were such that I decided with my doctor's help to get on medication and I decided to hire some help with my older son. Okay. So those are the two stories. So I just want you to, if you need to pause it to consider these questions or just think through it as I speak, but what were the facts? And did you notice with story one and story two, what was sort of the attitude difference that you noticed? What out of the two stories was different to you? What was the same You can kind of hear the facts were the same more or less, right? I had a four-month-old and a 20-month-old. My husband was getting his degree 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. or later. Jensen got bronchiolitis. There were breathing treatments. Roslyn got pneumonia, antibiotics, febrile seizure, ambulance. January through March is when it lasted. Postpartum depression in the end. I wanted to just kind of show you a few different lines through each of these stories to kind of compare the two to show you just the slightest sneakiest ways that sometimes our stories can place us in the position of being the victim when we just that's fine you get to choose however you want to live your life and feel how you want to feel in your life but i just want you to notice the power that your story has over how you show up at any given moment and how you even think of yourself in the midst of the context of your life, which does impact how you are in your life and who you are in your life. So the stories we tell ourselves are absolutely important and critical to make sure we're at the helm of that ship and and that we're directing the direction our stories and the way we think about our circumstances are taking us. Okay. So one thing I noticed as I, um, kind of wrote these out because I got, I got to tell you a secret story. Number one, that is kind of the way I used to tell my story. This was a crazy time, right? I mean, that's opinion, but January through March of 2016, there were actually a couple other things that happened during that time too, that I didn't even bring into the story. It was, um, just back to back to back sickness for our family. And when I used to tell the story, I mean, I remember I kind of adored getting reactions from people. I hate to say that, but that's just the place I was in and it's no shame. It was just where I was at, but I, it's almost like I leveraged my story to have people pity me, um, versus the second time I told it, um, I think any listener might, a common response might be, wow, that's unfortunate. And I know in the story, I still had a little bit of the unfortunate vibe because genuinely like it was hard for me. Um, but the circumstance wasn't hard, right? It was the way that I thought about it when I was in it and the way that I choose to think about it. Now I choose to look back and be like, you know what? That was hard. Um, granted now I do look back and think, okay, that might've been difficult. I, you know, I choose to perceive that as difficult, but at the same time, as I see it that way, it serves me because I look back and I think about how strong I was and how much I've learned and how far I've come. And so just, you always want to make sure that the story, the way you tell your stories are, 
are serving you and helping you be who you want to be and are helping you move forward and be stronger and better in your life. So specific examples from story one to story two about the babysitters, right? In example, or in story number one, I said, I had no choice. I couldn't hire sitters because I didn't want to get them sick. Right. And it was one of those moments where I would look at the person I'm telling the story to and be like, don't you agree? And they'd be like, oh yeah, totally. Of course. Right. But really in story number two, I make the subtle shift in taking responsibility and saying, I chose not to hire a sitter because I didn't want, I value health. I didn't say this, but right. The, the shift is that I was recognizing that I chose not to hire the sitter and I made that choice and I suffered the consequences of not hiring somebody and taking breaks during that time. But it was my choice not to hire someone because I could have, and I mentioned this in story number two, I could have gone out with my little baby. I didn't, I probably wouldn't have left my younger baby at home because I do value being able to nurse her and having her be, she was so young at the time, but I could have left while Jensen was napping and had a sitter come over and just be at the house until he woke up. Right. But I didn't see that solution as a possibility because I was thinking the thought, I just can't, you can't hire sitters when your kids are sick. Right. So that was my story. That's not a fact. Some people do hire sitters when their kids are sick. A lot of people do, I would say. And, um, and so it's just so important to break away from the story that you're attached to and take responsibility of where your agency and your choice and your decisions got you results, not just some law of the universe that you can't hire a sitter if your kids are sick, right? Another part of the story that was very distinctly and yet subtly a shift here was, so in story number one, I said, my husband was in his last semester getting his engineering degree and was not completely present in our household. Versus story number two, I said, I was mostly the one at home with the kids at the time I was supporting my husband in his last semester of mechanical engineering, right? So again, it's a subtle shift, but it was my choice to watch the kids and to be our source of childcare while my husband attended school. I could have hired somebody else. I could have refused to do that and said, you have to stay home with the kids and I'm going to go to school versus calling it not very present in our home, which is very loaded emotionally and a little bit of calling out my husband, like he wasn't present as if he wasn't trying or something. Right. So, you know, overall the essence of story number one is a little bit like, isn't this awful? And it's so tricky and it's hard. And don't you feel bad for me? What could I have done about it? Right. I had no choice. This was just what I was a product of my circumstances. And story number two, there's the same facts. And I even have some of the same feelings about it. It was unfortunate. It was it was um, difficult. It was a lot sometimes, and yet I look at my role in not asking for sitters and coming up with ways to have a sitter come while one of my kids napped or getting creative that way. I looked at my role in um, in in the depression developing and and uh, everything like that. So, and I also expressed some gratitude too about the doctor being so close and things like that. So it's really interesting, right? Think about it this way. As I read through each of these paragraphs, I felt different emotions as I told these stories and I, I spoke with my words and I related facts in a certain way laced with lines of story or just my thoughts, right? I felt the effects of those thoughts as I spoke them. 
We know through the life coaching model or the thought model, the cognitive model that circumstances are neutral and then thoughts create feelings. Thoughts evoke feelings. You don't just have feelings without a thought. I mean, personally, I believe there is a such thing as like a gut reaction where you don't have a specific thought like that's not a good idea. You just don't feel good about it. But generally speaking, our feelings come from our thoughts that we think in our minds. And so a lot of times when we're telling a story, we don't have a chance to think a thought and feel what it feels like and then decide if we like that feeling or not, and then decide if we're going to say that thought or not. When we're telling a story, we're just spitting out thoughts. And so we want to, and it's not just the act of telling a story. We tell stories to ourselves in our mind with our thoughts, but I'm just saying, as you tell people your stories though, verbally, you do want to, to consider how are you going to feel when you tell the story the way you're telling it? And is that how you want to feel? Do you want to feel like the victim of your life's situation? of your life circumstances. Okay. So as far as how to apply this to your story and your circumstances in your lives to possibly feel differently and release yourself of some of the feelings that you have been feeling, maybe a rut that you're in or anything like that. I have an exercise since I can't be there with you to coach you. Um, ideally, yeah, I would have you hire me and work with me if you're really struggling and you want help pulling yourself through what you're going through right now, seeing things in a new way. And you're so, if you feel like you're just so attached and so lost and so deep down in this that you can't even like, feel like you can apply this on your own, then come find me book, book a free mini session with me. Just go to my website, shoot me an email, Liz Langston coaching at gmail.com, you know, and, and I can take care of you. We can talk about it, but in the meantime, or for the rest of you, What you can do this exercise, so you're going to write out your story super candidly. And I know that once you've listened to this podcast episode, it's tempting to like start to edit your story to yourself and criticize it as you're trying to speak your story. So if it's helpful, what you can do is just think about the last time you told of this certain life event or circumstance to somebody else, or the last time you thought about it, what did you think about it? Like, what was the flavor of the story? What were the descriptive words and the phrases you know, and I want you to separate out. So take, um, either two different colored pens or highlighters, or you can do squares and circles, but you just want to distinguish the C's, the circumstances from the T's or the thoughts, the facts versus the story and be judicious here because especially it's your story. So it's going to be easy to miss parts that are not fact, but I want you to think, okay, what could be proven in a court of law? that this was a fact and which part of this here is my brain actually just kind of filling in, taking the liberty to create its own version of, or its own, um, perception of the facts. Okay. So do that and just see what you are able to separate out and what feels different. Maybe be willing to have been wrong this whole time and be okay with that. No one's going to be calling you out, right? And flex that muscle and and strengthen that ability to step back, look at your own brain's work and its own thoughts and be willing to be wrong. If you can do that, my friends, you can be in control of your mind. You can be at the helm of your ship. You can be in the driver's seat of your life. Because the reality is, if you have this awareness and if you practice these skills, 
you will be in control of your feelings. And it's not like you're never going to feel sad or anything, but you won't feel like the victim. You won't feel bad for yourself. You won't feel stuck and confused. You will feel happier. And it's awesome when circumstances can change, right? It would be great. It would have been great if my kids had stopped being sick. As at the time, that's what I perceived as the biggest problem. But a lot of times that doesn't happen. And while you're wishing, instead of wishing for that to happen, go ahead and do what you can do, what is within your control, which is your thoughts, your story, your collection of thoughts. One closing thought too is when it comes to the facts, maybe you don't like the facts, right? Maybe you wish the circumstances were different. You wish your husband wasn't doing that one thing or your friend didn't say that one thing. And a lot of times the stories we tell ourselves about our circumstances are kind of to the tune of why we, we often will ask our friends like, why would she in her right mind, why would she have said that to me? And just, I want you to think of it as if all circumstances, things that are right, the present moment, the facts, they're like the Rocky mountains. You cannot under any circumstance, no matter how much you want to, or how hard you try, you can't move them. They're there. So you either get to hate that they're there. And every time you look at them, you're disgusted and you just want to kick them and hurt your foot. Every time you try to kick them, or you can take in the view, find some ways around the Rocky mountains or through them, maybe but come up with actual solutions versus all the energy that it takes to resist our reality. What is our circumstances? I hope that helps you. I'll catch you guys next week. Please leave me a review in iTunes. If this was helpful, if you want to talk to me personally, shoot me an email or just hop on my Instagram and DM me. Um, The link is all in the show notes and I'd love to chat with you about what you're loving in these podcasts, what you learned, how you applied it and saw results, what you want to hear more of etc. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Bye guys. Hey, Liz here. When I was struggling as a mom of three littles, it was actually a podcast just like this that a friend shared with me that woke me up to getting the help I needed. Please consider sharing a favorite episode with a friend or leave me a review on iTunes to help other moms find the help they need here too. And if you're wanting to get more involved with these topics, you can join my Facebook group for even more discussion, fun, live Q&A sessions, getting to know other moms and wellness ideas. We're at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash wake up your wellness. All one word. Be well, my friends, and I will see you there.